Hi, Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. I've got another science book I want to look at today. It's called Who Was Adam? The author is Fuzz Rana, R-A-N-A, Fuzz Rana. He's Vice President of Science Apologetics at Reasons to Believe. And uh, this book looks at what's going on in the hominid fossil record, uh, the idea of junk DNA, and is it really junk? Neanderthals, are they our ancestors? Uh, human and chimp genetic similarity. So the key question is, was Adam an accident of nature or a deliberate, purposeful design? Well, pretty obvious. Uh, these are Christians that reasons to believe, and they believe Adam was a purposeful design, uh, creation by God. So I would like to share with you, um, I'm going to hustle along here because i got several things I'd like to do. One is uh, the chapter called a scientific creation model. And I really appreciate that. The, the people at Reasons to Believe don't just say, hey, trust us, this is what we think is going on. They lay out very carefully a scientific creation model. And so they said um, they, they follow what's called the day-age view. And I'm not necessarily advocating that. I'm just finding it really interesting to read in this area. So these are not the same as young earth creationists. And they're not evolutionists. Okay, they've, they have fought that for so long. It's not fair. They are not evolutionists. They do believe God was the creator. So what they propose is called a day-age view, day-age view. So it considers the creation days in Genesis to be long periods of time. And then that would accommodate, obviously, the scientific dates for the age of the universe and the earth. But I'm just giving you that as background. Uh, don't turn this off or uh, get disgusted at this point if you are a young earth person. Just notice the kinds of things that they are talking about here because all Christians, all people who are a little skeptical about evolution will find plenty of support here. So what they have done is they want scientists to treat them seriously. And so they have created what they call the reasons to believe creation model. So what does that involve? So they lay it out at the beginning of the book. They believe that God created the first humans, physically and spiritually, through direct intervention. They believe all humanity came from Adam and Eve. They believe a humanity originated in a single geographical lake location. That'd be the Garden of Eden. They believe that Adam and Eve were created by God recently, between 10,000 and 100,000 years ago. And so that, those are the basics of what they stand for. Well, a couple more. Let me let me just add. Um, I've got a lot I want to cover, so I'm going to keep moving here. But they believe that God prepared the planet over eons for humanity's uh, showing up, and then they cre He created Adam and Eve at a special moment in Earth's history. Uh, they believe humans share some physical characteristics with animals, but that humans have unique characteristics that are distinct from all other creatures. And so he, uh, both of them, I say both, that's uh, Hugh Ross is the president and then Fuzz Rana, the author of this book, both discuss these kinds of issues in their book. Um, one thing that I thought was good, they have like little sidebars that arouse our curiosity and we go, wait a minute, I got to go read that too. So uh, I like it. It's like little tidbits along the way. So they have one section here early in the book that says, who are the hominids? So they said there are hominids, there are fossil findings, but they believe these are animals. They were animals. They were not 
spiritual beings made in God's image. That was reserved for human beings. So uh, there we go. So let's do this. I'm going to move ahead in one of the later chapters because I think everybody's interested in this. One title is, Who Were the, Who Were the Neanderthals? So they give you a little bit of history here. Fuzzerana gives you a little history. It goes back to about 1908, and a uh, skeleton was found, just about a complete skeleton. And the man was a paleoanthropologist. He looked at it and he concluded that, wow, don't sit next to this guy on a subway. He was a slouching brute, uh, really thuggish. But later on in the 50s, anthropologists kind of rehabilitated the Neanderthal man. They said, hey, you found um, a fossil that had severe arthritis. And so they, they said, no, no, Neanderthal is actually a very close relative to modern humans. Some kind of likely transitional form that immediately preceded human beings. So then they give you a little background about what, are we, what do we know about Neanderthals? Well, they said they're classified as archaic homo sapiens that lived somewhere between 150,000 and 30,000 years ago. They were in Europe, the Middle East, and parts of Asia. And they said, unlike other hominids, the fossil record is rich. Fossil hunters, they, uh, they said, have com uh, recovered about 30 complete skeletons and a lot of partial remains. So uh, that's pretty impressive, huh? And they said there are some anatomical similarities. That's true. So they tell you, you know, if one sat on a train or a bus, you might not look twice at them. But uh, Rana points out that Neanderthals and humans did have some differences. They had a unique set of features, a long face, a poorly developed chin, highly developed brow ridge, long nose, for example, a flatter skull. But it said, you know, for a long time, anthropologists saw a, an evolutionary connection, and they didn't think much about these differences. They, they said, ah, it's not very meaningful. Um, but now we're going on here, and it says in 1992, an, an infant, a Neanderthal infant, was discovered, and they found out that it's not differences between the Neanderthals and modern people just brought about because of nature and upbringing and what their environment was like. They found genetics played a huge role in the anatomical differences. And in 19, uh, no, 2004, other findings confirmed this, that the anatomical distinctions, the, the things I mentioned as well as a lot of others, that, that the way they're different from us, so these anatomical distinctions between Neanderthal and human skulls indicated these were separate species. And so now paleo, uh, paleoanthropologists are beginning to believe that these hominids, the Neanderthals, were kind of a side branch of evolution. All right, well, in the late 1990s, uh, they did some genetic comparisons. They get into details here, and uh, some of these are... Uh, make my eyes kind of glaze over, but that's okay. And they said the key thing was that there were huge differences between Neanderthal and humans when it came to genetics. And so it says these differences made a huge case that they were distinct species from us today. They didn't make any genetic contribution to humanity. Right? So none at all, which I think is interesting. I think the debate still rages, but this is the Fuzzrana and Reasons to Believe perspective and what they have found. It says the cumulative weight of genetic evidence comes down strongly 
to sever the link between Neanderthals and humans. And, and so I thought that was interesting. It says it's more than just mitochondrial DNA, but it's all parts of the genome as well. So huge differences between the two. So it's not only genetic evidence that breaks the link or their physical uh, differences that breaks the link between us and them, but developmental dissimilarities do also. So in other words, the way they develop is very, very different from modern humans. They are distinct species. And their, their claim, which they back up with a lot of evidence, is that the Neanderthals are extinct hominids. They had no bearing on humanity's origins. Well, so, so what, what are they? And now this is the reasons to believe model. It says they have no problem with what they're beginning to find out about Neanderthals. Because remember, their model identifies these hominids as created by God. These hominids existed for some time. Then they went extinct. And that's exactly what the reasons to believe model would anticipate. They predicted that the Neanderthal behavior and their culture would be very different from modern humans. And it says there were claims at one time that the Neanderthals used all these sophisticated tools and had language and had artistic and musical expression and they buried their dead. But they're saying that's starting to fade now as more archaeological evidence comes to the forefront. For example, now they're finding out that these Neanderthals didn't use bone, antlers, or ivory. Okay, so it says their implements were unsophisticated compared to tools used by the earliest humans. In fact, they may not even have had the manual dexterity to use these tools. Also, the anatomical evidence, they said it's not conclusive, it's not entirely conclusive, but it seems to be pointing to the fact that Neanderthals couldn't speak. They didn't have language. Their skull base was not conducive for speech. In fact, they quote from uh, one person who's got a textbook on human evolution, the notion that Neanderthals had poorly developed language abilities has become the majority position among anthropologists. So again, do you see how they're being separated from modern humans that way? Uh, well, what about th what about language uh, uses? Well, you need language to get yourself advanced culture and technology. If you don't have that language ability, then they couldn't behave like humans. And now the new new thought is that not only did they lack speech, but symbolic thought as well. And what about artistic expression? Nothing. So it says Neanderthal remains that have been uncovered in close association with tools, it seems to have been deliberately arranged at the time of burial. Okay, so natural accounts, they said, oh, sorry, we're talking about the dead, because that was one of the biggest things that, oh, hey, the Neanderthals buried their dead. Well, they have found, found some Neanderthals that seem to be in some kind of fetal position and to be buried, but... Rana and uh, RTB people believe that natural causes could account for some of these graves, like maybe a, a roof of a cave collapsed on them. And they said the conclusions are drawn from very limited data, and they're pretty speculative. It says it could be that they buried the dead, but it says that doesn't appear to be anything as a deliberate, established ritual. That's unsubstantiated. Um, it says there may have been some cannibalism, and then toward the end of the chapter here, they said, when all archaeological evidence is considered, Neanderthals may have possessed 
some capacity for emotional expression and a level of intelligence like great apes today, but they lived in non-human ways. They were not spiritual beings. They were not made in God's image. Um, says they don't seem to have had any culture. Their behavior seems stagnant and unchanging. And so at the end of the chapter, they said, the Neanderthal's brain shape and structure provided no capacity for behaving the way human beings behave. They lacked the necessary brain structure to think and act in a way that reflected God's image. Now, like I said, you may disagree with that. Maybe they've come out with newer things. This is about, a, I think, a four- or five-year-old book. Let me see if I've got a date on this. Uh, when did this come out? This was 2005, so we've got 16 years that have gone by. But you might find it just interesting for the basics of what what is science saying? Um, human evolution, is it a fact? What about bipedalism and brain size? What about the chimps? What about junk DNA? So all of this, I think, is fascinating material. It's often overlooked by uh, Christians. They just say, oh, we don't like evolution, but they don't really have any reasons to be suspicious and uh, so, again, for young Earth people, I hope you read through what I'm telling you about here and take a look at it. It's a different perspective. You may not agree with the dates, but the point is they're using modern science's findings to actually show the difference and the superiority of modern humans that were not connected through a series of intermediates all the way back to some uh, ape at one time, some common ancestor. So... Interesting material. Once again, the title, that's Fuzz Rana is the author, R-A-N-A, titled Who Was Adam? All right, well, thanks, and I uh, hope to hear from you uh, sometime. Give me a, a holler, a, send me a question if you have any comment about what I'm doing. It's gary.zacharias at gmail.com, G-A-R-Y dot Z-A-C-H-A-R-I-A-S at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. All right, well, let's do another podcast soon.